Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Are bestsellers all they're hyped up to be? The Terrible Book Club explores whether or not you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. If you've ever seen a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to another episode of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Chris, and this is Paris. Hello. Uh, and this time, we read The Betrayal, uh, book one in the Fear Street Saga by R.L. Stein. Ooh. A familiar name to you, perhaps, person who is listening. Yes. Uh, so when I was a kid, I loved the Fear Street Saga. I was super into the Fear Street books. Um, I remember going to the library and seeing the Goosebumps books and being like, oh, fuck that. That's kid shit. When I was also a child, like I was like, I was like seven and I just was like, no, I need some, I need some harder stuff. Um, and Sesame so, Street, get out of here. I only watch Naruto. <laughs> basically. Uh, and so I found the Fear Street Saga, uh, which I believe I read first and uh, I super fell in love with it as a kid. Uh, recently, I've been listening to the Goosebuds podcast where... Um, these three dudes read uh, Goosebumps books, and I think they read one Fear Street book, but uh, it just reminded me, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I did really like the Fear Street saga books. I should probably, you know, maybe I should read one of those. So uh, thanks, Goosebuds, for inspiring this episode. Um, yeah, so... I, I read a lot of Goosebumps as a kid, like a whole lot of, like, the regular series books. There was even, oh, like, a really? I didn't know adventure that. series that oh, I yeah. was really, really into. They've done a bunch of those on the show on, the, on Goosebuds, and they're ridiculous my favorite one was the one about like uh medieval knights or something like they time traveled into like some weird maze and there was like a knight chasing them yeah or something. yeah i think they did i think they actually did that i don't know that, they that did was one my about, favorite one they did about one of, like puzzles to solve they did one about terror tower um i don't know i think they might have done the maze one i'm not sure but there there are there are way too many goosebumps books is what i discovered by listening to the goosebumps podcast <laughs> way too many fucking goosebumps books um yeah like i said i never read any of them because i i just thought that they were like i don't know you were too, far too grown too up too at childish seven to... <laughs> yeah or seven or nine i mean i know i was definitely under 10 when i started reading the books um so yeah i was really drawn to the fear street saga because it was like in the past and at the time i was really into um mythology and history and then, like that trickled into like being really into colonial times and anything that wasn't the present i don't know i was just really into things that happened not recently uh as a kid um so uh the fear street saga books uh they explain how fear street kind of like came to be and why it's cursed and haunted and all that crap um and so, yeah, uh, the first book, we read The Betrayal, and in this one, we go back all the way to the beginning, to the very first, uh, what is it, like, conflict between the Fear family and the Good family. 
Uh, I can't remember Real anyone's fucking on names. On nose naming, of course. <laughs> Classic R.L. Stein's. Oh, yeah. Can I just, before you get started here, I want to let you know that, like, this read pretty much exactly like any Goosebumps book I ever wrote. Except oh, like, no way. No slightly way. Slightly less supernatural. Fucking no way. This book rules, Chris. This book is awesome. It's the same, like, level of fright. <laughs> or in like the same methods of like foreshadowing and like trying to be scary because it, it's literally just a Goosebumps book set in like colonial New England or something. No way. No fucking way, man. This book sounds way better than any Goosebumps book I've ever heard about. You Well, have you read any Goosebumps? No, I'm but I've been listening to nothing but the Goosebumps podcast, which is Look, just... man, I'm telling <laughs> like you might need to read one on your own because it's pretty much the same thing. I, mean, I don't know how you're telling yourself it's that much different <laughs> when it's really not. Well, okay, so, and I say this book is awesome just because it's a nostalgia thing for me, and I think, you know, rereading it, I was like, oh, right, now I remember why I liked this. I mean, the writing is not great. It's definitely very bland and written so that a 10-year-old can read it and understand what's going on and not be confused, so... And also be a little scared. It's very plodding, um... There's really no surprise. Like, RL tries to have some surprises, but he just foreshadows the hell out of it that, like, if you're even sort of paying attention, you know what's going to happen. Um, so that's kind of a bummer reading it as an adult. I'm like, man, as a kid, did I did I find these things surprising? I, I don't remember. I think I just liked the setting. Um, so it I starts- mean, consider that when you're a kid, you haven't been exposed to a lot of the tropes enough because you just don't have that experience under your belt. So nearly anything can be surprising be- when you don't have the context to know that this is a, th- a device yeah, or mechanism yeah. that's been and, used over and over and over. And it might and it might be that like maybe maybe this was like my first. You know, my first go at, you know, scary chapter books because I was Paris's first scare. Yeah. Uh, um, no, I, I wasn't I don't I wasn't afraid of the books. I mean, I loved them and I I, I was really into it. Um, and so in The Betrayal, um, the, the whole the whole series, uh, this whole saga, I think the first three books are couched in like this this uh, meta setting where it's this woman. Uh, is it Nora Good? I forget. Yeah, it's um, Nora Good. Media Nora, in res. Yeah, in, or in media res, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Nora Good, uh, you know, writing the history of her family. She's like, oh, man, I got to do this before the end of the night. I mean, you don't really understand why there's like a fucking time she, limit on it, but. There um, was a house fire that she witnessed, and then she ran home after her hysterical episode after seeing the house fire and decided to write down the history of the goods versus the fears because I guess someone involved in this house fire was a fear or a good, perhaps. She was real distraught at the start of the book about seeing this house and the people on fire. Yeah. She ran all the way home yeah. to get writing, which is always what I do when I witness something <laughs> horrific. Yeah, I see my boyfriend or husband go up in flames. You know what? I want to go home and write my whole family genealogy down. That's exactly <laughs> what, that's how I cope with tragedy. Uh, so that's how Nora Good copes with tragedy. I think her uh, man friend something fear, I don't know, Nora and someone... God, there's so many fucking goods and fears getting together in these books and shagging down. Oh, Daniel. It was Daniel. Okay. So Nora sees Daniel fucking catch on fire in this house, and she's like, oh, fuck, I gotta write down my family history. I gotta end this this <laughs> war or whatever. So, uh... Because they weren't at war already, like, knowing what they were upset with each other? I, 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 don't, don't, I don't Yeah. Know. Uh, so the, uh... Uh, you know, after it's it sets you up for like, oh man, she's gonna she's writing this book and you're gonna read it. Uh, you read her little story. Uh, so it starts in 1692 in Wickham Village, Massachusetts, which is like 
supposed to be Salem Village, which is now Danvers. Um, a lot of people think it's Salem, Massachusetts, which is where all the spooky witch shit happens, but nope, it was Danvers. Uh, Danvers used to be called Salem Village, and then Salem was just... Salem, I think Salem. Town. <laughs> Salem, Salem was like, "Hey, that's our thing." Can you? Like, they filed a copyright claim on Salem Village or something. No, you guys aren't it... witchy enough down here, so you're gonna have to <laughs> no, change Dan... yourself to a real lame name like Danville or something. <laughs> uh, no, um, Salem Village changed its name to Danvers, I believe, to uh, distance itself from the witch hysteria, and then oh. Salem just was like, "Ah, oh, sweet, we're gonna capitalize on it." So now everything's witches there. Um, I lived in Salem for a little bit, and I uh, hated it. It sucked. So anyway, uh, yeah. So this this book is like. It starts off in kind of a, hey, remember the Salem witch hysteria? Well, this is it, but kind of different. Um, so, basically, Susanna Good and Edward Fear are in love. They're teenagers. What are they, like 15 or 16 or something? Yeah, you know, and, Puritan um, courtship age. Yeah, I mean, so... In this environment, you know, they're, they're not supposed to be alone without an adult chaperone and they but they're like sneaking off to the woods just to like hang out and they kiss and hold hands. And like, that's the extent that's like Susanna the extent has to of be it. Sure to put her fucking hat on because her mother is like, are you going out that door without your head covered? You enormous slut. <laughs> like, put your basically... fucking bonnet on you whore. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, Puritans, man, that's that's their deal. Um, the uh, men will see your golden locks and fall all over themselves. Yeah, I mean, Puritan communities were ugh, brutal places to live. Um, and it's, it's like you know, it's like us reading a romance section. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, our our Massachusetts fucking blood is is obvious you know, yeah. for, for us. You know, like we're just so steeped in that Puritan heritage, we can't even handle a romantic subplot in a book. Um, yeah, Chris, if you listened to the last episode or probably any episode of the Terrible Book Club, you would know that Chris and I. Just really, we're just not into, like, books with romance or erotic shit in them because we feel like it just distracts from the story and is kind of a lazy crutch. So, uh, yeah, that, that Puritan blood still flowing strong uh, in the terrible book club. <laughs> yeah. Even though Push neither of us are religious. Neither of us are religious. Um, I'm sorry yeah, I said goddamn. I'm sorry. Uh, no, sorry, fine. Lord. <laughs> uh, no, and I actually, the very first uh, paragraph of this book has a phrase, uh, the Borning Room, and I, I'd never heard of the Borning Room. I mean, it, it sounds pretty self-explanatory, explanatory, a room where things are born, but uh, I was like, that's a thing? Uh, anyway, so uh, Susanna and Edward are in love, but of course, you know, they're not supposed to be because Edward is the son of, like, the rich, um, what is magistrate. it? The judge the magistrate. Judge? Yeah, the magistrate, and his brother is the town treasurer i don't know he's something i can't remember what uh, also anyway, big important man yeah the fears are the big important man family and the goods are just poor shitty farmers and that's kind of it they so, got two skinny chickens and a cow i think yeah i mean that's really that's like kind of it, like carrots they got some carrots um <laughs> and so in Massachusetts. eventually it comes out that like Susanna and Edward like each other, and Edward tries to stand up to his dad and is like, fuck you, dad, I'm in love, I'm gonna marry the woman I love, and we all know how that ends, and the dad's like, you won't, you will marry blah blah blah, or whatever, um, because it's a good political and financial alliance, uh, you know, classic, classic evil parent uh, marriage scene, um, and Edward's like, you're gonna no, marry this broomstick whatever. and clean everything, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, that happens, and uh, basically, Fear 
uh, because in this town in Wick- Wickham or whatever, they have been people have been accused of witchcraft and have been burned at the stake. Um, that's a historical inaccuracy in this book that I dislike. Uh, so while witches were burned in other countries in the United States, um, witches were never burned. So they were only hanged here or, or crushed or drowned. I don't know. They had a lot of different deaths, but no, well, it does burning, say in this book that most of the other places hang them. And, uh, the fears here, the, What's his name? Benjamin, I think, is like the patriarch. Benjamin or Matthew. They're Benjamin and Matthew Fear are the brothers. Um, but yeah, they're Benjamin like, yeah, they fucking burn those like, ladies. Yeah, he like really wants them good and crispy so that they can't be witched anymore. Because you know, if you just hang them, the, their witch ghosts will come back. But if you burn them, they don't. Yeah. So they yeah they make a point of being like, oh man, these fear guys, they're real evil. Like just in case you weren't sure. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, I forget if it's Matthew or Benjamin who concocts this plan. Um, is it Benjamin, it's Benjamin just wants to burn. Basically, yeah. he accuses Susanna of yeah, being a witch like, so that Edward can't marry her. Right, right. And Matthew secretly goes to Susanna's father in the night and he goes like, hey, if you pay me some cash, maybe this will all go away, buddy. Also, oh, I have oh, this right. evil amulet with Latin on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Susanna and her mother actually both get accused of witchcraft, which is kind of fucked up to throw them. I mean, it's like it's fucked up anyway. But like, damn, you're also going to throw the mom on this bonfire. Like, geez. So uh, they drag, you know, the mom and Susanna away. And then like Chris was saying, you know, Matthew comes in the night. And he's like, yo, Papa, good. You got some you got some money for me. And, uh, you know. His name's actually Papa Good, by the way. He's not <laughs> yeah, like some Papa kind of Good. Puritan pimp. That like... uh, I can't remember what his first William was. It William. I feel I like think, it was yeah, a... it's yeah, William. William. So of course William's like, oh man, I do anything to you know free my my family. So he gives him he gives him like his most prized pen. Yeah, <laughs> he, which was Matthew funny. originally wants a hundred pounds, but William only has eighty. So like Matthew catches a pan on the wall. He's like. I'll do it for if you give me that pan right there. He's like, yo, this is a sick pan. I'll take the pan and all your money. And he's like, all right. So they, you know, they have this agreement. And yeah, yeah. Like when Matthew's like, I don't know, bending over, he has like this amulet and it's this, I'll never, so this amulet, I will never, I don't know why, but the, the image of this amulet from the artwork on one of the books is like fucking burned into my mind from my childhood. Like I remember it in vivid detail. Like it's silver. It's a really, it's got the I mean, blue it's an extremely obviously evil amulet. It's like the evilest <laughs> yeah. amulet ever. It has like a claw on it and like words in Latin that are. It's, it's like it, Dominatio it, per Malum, which yeah. you can already hear the choir in the background <laughs> singing evilly when the amulet drops into camera frame. Yeah. Dominatio <laughs> per Malum. Yeah. Uh, okay. But yeah, I mean, if if you've never taken a Latin class uh, or have lived in a fucking hole, uh, it just means power through evil um and i <laughs> find sure it, you can context that shit out real that's quick. what i'm saying yeah i'm really surprised that um all these people who are like so god-fearing and stuff didn't know the latin but i guess i guess illiteracy i'm pretty, pretty sure common. the mass is still done in latin in this time as well like they're they haven't gone to the yeah. vulgate yet by now <laughs> yeah i was i was wondering about that but i don't i don't know enough about um puritanism in that time like i don't know enough about what scriptures they were using and stuff in worship uh to really know but it did seem a little suspect that a bunch of super christians weren't familiar enough with the words for evil and power in latin like to puzzle that out uh and also i i feel like anyone in the village probably 
would have been suspect if they had seen anyone wearing something that wasn't a crucifix. I mean, people were not adorned. It was a Puritan community. Like, any colors weren't even allowed, man. Like, people were wearing brown. And he's just wearing it in such a way that every time he bends over, his, like, evil intent is, like, clearly visible. Once again, I'm pretty sure the choir kicks up every time that thing falls into view. (laughs) Also, Dominatio Permalum is, like, some Spaceballs-level shit for, like, the the motto for your evil organization or evil craft or whatever. Just, like, power through evil because good is dumb yeah right it's like there's just no other way uh i guess only satan only satan um yeah so you know william's like all right so i you know dun 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 obviously when william wakes up the next day and goes to the you know where they're supposed to have the burning he's like oh it's okay you're gonna be free but uh you know surprise uh matthew benjamin the fears and their whole their whole entourage disappeared in the night, and Susanna and her mom burned to a bacony crisp in the in the morning light. Uh, Why so, does the town carry out the sentence of a magistrate that ran away? Yeah, that was my question too. I feel like most people wouldn't do that, uh, especially when the magistrate not only robbed the member that his wife and child are being set on fire, but the rest of the town's food storage as well. Yeah, it seems really bizarre. Um, so I was everyone's re- like, "Oh man, they, those guys stole all our food and t- like fucked over this one guy whose family we're about to burn." But I guess we should still burn them because that guy said they were witches. So yeah, well, I think that I think that like their trial, we kind of we skipped over that, but uh, the trial of Susanna and her mom. I can't fuck. Is her mom's name Mary? I don't know. It, no, it was something else, but I don't remember. So Susanna and her mom have this trial, and I mean, if you know anything about Puritan trials, it's pretty bullshit anyway. But there's like some fucking bats get in the courtroom, and they're like, oh, a you bat, summoned- a single bat. Oh, I thought it was two, but whatever. It was a bat. They're like, oh man, you summoned Satan's helpers to your trial, be gone, witch. And they're like, and then also it's just the door bat. opens and the wind lightly blows some torches, and they're like, it's Satan who has tried to douse the lights. I mean, and it sounds insane, but that is those are things that really happened during trials in in the United States for witchcraft, like. People would, anything would set them off and, and make them think that somebody was a witch or in league with Satan. And it was just like, yeah, Are you it, sure was, it was ridiculous. wind blowing the torches a little bit is a thing that happened? Because that seems real dumb. Um, I'm almost positive, but I will get back to you because I'm, coincidentally, I'm actually reading a book about the history of uh, witch hunting in New England uh, in this time period. I, I just got the book from a friend like a while ago and I just started reading it. Um, and, uh, it's actually really good so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does seem like, I don't know. I haven't gotten to the actual, um, the actual cases like this guy, uh, you know, as a good historian took a bunch of real cases and kind of built chapters off of them. I I've just read, uh, read the beginning, but, uh, anyway, I'll get back to you on that. If, uh, if, uh, okay, let me know if wind is Satan. Yeah. If wind is, if wind is Satan. Yeah. I'll let you know. Wind, which is a thing that people knew, like these people knew wind existed. So it's (laughs) not like it should be a new phenomenon when you open a door and the wind blows a little bit. Is wind Satan next time on (laughs) terrible book club. All right. Um, (laughs) for now though, so they have this trial and you know, that stuff happens, they get condemned, but yeah, it is really bizarre that the town is like, Oh man, these dudes that yeah did all these horrible things. They condemned these women to die. Well, I guess we'll still condemn. I I think it's just to make a point about how fanatical their faith really was, and that they were able to separate those things. Like, 
okay, the people who maybe made that judgment, you know, disappeared in the middle of the night, but that judgment is I mean, still sound because... Sure, God, RL is definitely going for some extreme ham-fistedness here to the degree that he, you might as well have just have, like, two pigs in your hands that you're slapping yeah, yeah, people he's with. Holding, oh, yeah, he's holding two pigs the whole time. <laughs> just smacking you in the face with every last piece yeah. of foreshadowing or evidence or, you know... Any any sort of point he's trying to make is extremely heavy-handed. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's what that's what I was saying at the beginning when I was like, you know, if even if you're like halfway paying attention, you'll know what's going on. It's not really that secret. Um, but anyway, like after this happens, you know, William is like, no, um, and they reveal at that point that William Good, the dad, is actually a fucking witch. What? Because he had a secret back room in his, I guess, you know, barn house or whatever that I, I feel like if you had a secret room in one of those houses, people would know but by like the part of the house that's jutting out from where a normal wall would be or something. Uh, yeah, not to mention like, like these people were living in one room houses. How, like floor plans couldn't have been room? that complicated. <laughs> yeah. How do you have a secret room in a one room house? <laughs> If there's more than one room, it it's a problem. It's only one room. I Hus- husband, when I walk outside, I notice that our shack has an extra part to it that I can't. It, it looks bigger than it is on the inside. What's up with that? Oh, that's nothing, honey. That's the work of God. It's just Satan. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, actually, I didn't even think about that. And that's a really excellent point, Chris, because in my mind, I don't know. I guess I was like. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But then I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, unless like unless the back of their house was like against the forest or like also connected to the barn. But I even then you would be able to see the the extra surface area necessary to have your evil ritual room somewhere because they (laughs) they were peasants. They had two skinny chickens and a cow. They like. Somewhat like, did William build the extra room and his wife was just like, hey, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, don't worry about it. Literally just never think about this again, please. <laughs> yeah, like just. <laughs> she's what happened with that room he... you were building for yeah, like he, he uh, just... <laughs> a whole month? <laughs> Every time she asks, he just kills you, just hits her with a pan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's what that's what the pan's good for. Yeah, actually, that's, turns that's, out. The pan is an amnesia pan and that's why <laughs> yeah. it was so desired. Matthew recognized that instead of hitting William over the head with it, he just ran with it, which was a stupid move, really. Yeah, and I I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah, how the fuck did he have a secret room in a one-room house? And even if it was more than one room, it couldn't have been more than, like, three because they were (laughs) real poor. So I... (laughs) And also they had, like, how many fucking kids did they have? They had, like, they had Susanna, a baby. Did they have another kid? No, just just the baby. Yeah, Yeah. it was just Susanna and the baby. Yeah. Uh, what happened to that nursery you were building for the baby? It's uh, it it's nowhere now. Sorry, uh, it fell apart. Uh, <laughs> just don't open, don't go behind that bookcase. Oh, another ever. another cow fire. Yeah, those cows they just keep catching yeah. fire. Don't worry uh, about it. Never go behind the bookcase. Uh, books are <laughs> Satan's work that yep. women can't read. So just never ever touch that, please. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's a really good point. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so. Turns out he's actually an evil witch. But, like, this brings us to another... Warlock, please. Warlock. Hey, man. They don't call him a warlock in the book. They call him a witch. Or they don't call him anything, maybe. Uh, But anyway, this brings us to another point. If he's such a powerful fucking magic dude, why didn't he employ his magic to save his fucking family? (laughs) He waited till after to do anything about it. It doesn't make any sense. Like, dude, and why did he give... Okay, so, so many questions. One, 
Why didn't he use his magic to prevent the deaths of his wife and daughter? Two, when Matthew Fear came to extract a bribe from him, why did he not use his magic then? Three, when he saw that amulet, why was he not like, bro? Yeah, oh, hey, yeah, shit, we're both evil, part of the hey, evil check it out. I got this room back here. <laughs> yeah, like, like, I just feel like there are so many opportunities for his involvement in black magic to have solved this situation. That it it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like I don't, black I don't magic know. is revenge only. That's the that's the one downside about it. You can only use it in a revenge scheme, not for actually saving anyone. I guess that's yeah, how I this mean, has to work. Yeah, I mean, I guess. And then the other question is like, all the shit that was happening in town, all the other people that were accused of witchcraft, like were were they were they actually witches, or like was he did he create this hysteria for no reason, or like? Was he doing shit in the town that then got attributed to other people? I mean, that's the most likely scenario. But if so, what the fuck was he doing? Because they didn't even describe the quote-unquote crimes of the other women. So I I have no idea. That's just left up to your own personal interpretation, I guess. They could have been witches. They could not have been. Yeah, so the fucking story is suspect as hell. Uh, <laughs> but anyway. But I thought you said it was awesome. Yeah, I did. Because I was saying that from the perspective of like a seven-year-old Paris who oh, was like okay. oh All man right. this is so great yeah uh <laughs> but anyway um yeah so the the plot is like kind of suspect so I don't know what like 20 years passes I think so it's 15 I think 15 or I, the timing years. is really weird in this book because I feel like the year math doesn't work out a lot it's like at oh wait one no point... it's, eight, it's 18 years Oh, okay. Well, it's, it, 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 yeah. it, it feels like it jumps around between a couple of different time periods and RL just lost track and hopes you don't care enough to notice. Oh, no, no. It's pretty, it's consistent. I didn't have any issues with that. All right. It felt something, I remember there being a number that didn't jibe well with me for some reason. Um. So when the story starts in Wickham, it's 1692, I believe. And then when they pick up um, afterward, after, you know, the girls get burned, uh, it's 1710. And they're in Pennsylvania, I think. Uh, eh, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, Pennsylvania, seventeen ten. So eighteen years passes, um, and you know where you know it's just like cut to black. Eighteen years later, you know curtain rises on Pennsylvania frontier, where we have Matthew and Benjamin Fear, uh, and they've you know created this wonderful homestead on this farm they, in Pennsylvania. Out of a they pan just, and the foodstuffs yeah. of a village, they've yep, created uh, a new life. And like like all good capitalist businessmen, they they built a wonderful empire on the blood and backs of others. Uh, and uh-huh. that's how you do Edward, it. Edward, uh, Edward, who was a teenager, you know, when we last saw him, it's now eighteen years later, so he's in his thirties, his late thirties, mid to late thirties, um, and he has a wife and son of his own. Uh, interestingly enough, not the woman that he was supposed to marry, because remember they just said peace out to that village and apparently also that marriage that was planned. So. Um, he marries some other lady. Uh, they have a kid named Ezra. I forget the lady's name. And Rebecca. then um, Rebecca. Yep. And uh, so he marries Rebecca. They have Ezra and his uncle Matthew. He married a lady named Constance, and they had Mary. And Mary is young. I think she's what twenty, sixteen, something like that. Young. Yeah. And um, Mary and Ed- Mary and Edward are actually really good friends. Like you know, despite their age difference, they're good cousin friends. And you know, so we're. We're seeing their life on the farm, and everything's going real well. Um, Edward has his own house to storm off to sometimes when Benjamin's being a jerk or something. Yeah. Uh, And so I forget what happens. 
Bert. Oh, yeah, that's right. Edward goes up to, like, fix the roof and falls off the roof because he just wasn't fucking listening to anyone. Everyone was like, yo, dude, we know the roof's fucked up, but, like, it's gonna be dark. You're gonna have literally no light. It's probably not safe to go up there and fix it right now. And he's like, get out of my way. Hold this ladder, you wench. I'm gonna fucking fix this roof. I don't care what anybody says. And, of course, you know, he falls off the roof and, like, breaks his arm. Um... And right after they kind of, like, deal with that, I think the next morning, uh, this very beautiful man just shows up and um, approaches Mary. And Mary's like, oh, fuck, how do I talk to this guy? He's so attractive. I've only hung out with my family my whole life. I don't know how to handle the situation. Um, Because they're not, like, in a village. They're, like, just out somewhere on the frontier. So, yeah, she literally just lived with her family her whole life. So There's Jeremy, a village down the way that yeah, this yeah. gentleman says he comes from. He's like, right. my father's sick. I'm looking for some work. Perhaps you have some on your farmstead, madam. Yeah, uh, and his name is Jeremy, and he is gorgeous. You know, he's like apparently Fabio, 1710 Fabio. So um, long blonde hair and, you know, very, very fit. Shirt always that. half open. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I think in the first scene that he appears in, He's described as having his shirt, like, unbuttoned to his navel or something ridiculous like that. Why well, have a shirt at that point? Just put the put the vest on, man. Like, we yeah. know that you really... Yeah, he just really needs... He needs sleeve coverage from the sun, but not <laughs> chest coverage. Um, so, you know, she's, she's obviously smitten with him, and the family is pretty resistant, but they're like, well, Edward did just fall off the roof and fucking break his arm, so I guess we do need help. Good timing, stranger. Which is, you know, your first clue that something's fucky. Um, and so, yeah, this goes on for a period of question mark weeks or months. I'm not sure. A couple of weeks, I think, was the time frame. I thought it was maybe longer than that, but... I don't know. Uh, this book is real quick. It's real fast paced. Like I well, said, it's... long enough for Mary and Jeremy to fall in love, which in like in Puritan times was like, oh, they looked at each other once and they didn't <laughs> know how to handle any of the new feelings at all. Yeah. So Mary and Jeremy fall in love, you know, and they don't they never really do just like Susanna and Edward. They never really do anything more than like hang out in the woods, maybe have a kiss, a handhold, a hug, whatever. Um, but they're in love and they want to get married. And um while their love is blossoming, a bunch of awful things befall the the Fear family. So we started with Edward breaking his arm. Uh, that's followed by, I think, Benjamin, Benjamin or Matthew yeah, Benjamin losing all their starts motor getting functions? like weird paralysis. Yeah, he. It's kind of like he's stroking out, but he's not having any. Sh- any like aphasia or any mental problems he's just like losing function of a limb of his limbs one limb at a time i believe um so i think it like starts with a leg and then it moves up to the arm and then it goes to the other arm and then the other leg and then he eventually just fucking dies um and a straight up like heart attack or something like that i think yeah and then um i don't remember what happens to constance I don't think anything happens to Constance. No, she gets walled in or something. Right? At the very, very, she's like yeah. the last person there because it, it's Matthew and her at the end. Because then what happens, it's basically Edward first gets the arm broken. Benjamin starts getting the paralysis thing. And then some weird shit happens with Rebecca. Yeah. And if you Re- remember that. Rebecca was already like pretty frazzled. And then she decides to kill herself. She just hangs herself. Just hangs herself. Yeah, just hangs herself. And, um... Edward finds her, you know, and is pretty distraught about it. 
And then he, you know, Ezra is like a difficult child and Edward like doesn't want to be fucking bothered with him. Uh, oh, yeah. And then, you know, one day when Edward and Mary are out walking in the woods, they see a vision of Susanna Good and her mother being burned alive. And Mary's like, whoa, what the fuck was that? And Edward's like, nothing. Yeah, it, it was absolutely <laughs> nothing, nothing. Nothing. Don't worry about it. Definitely. <laughs> definitely not a key to my horrible past. Definitely yeah. not. Um, don't worry about that. And so... That seems to be the good family, or not the good. I guess like everyone involved in this story is just their way, like men's way of handling things. It's like just don't worry about it. Don't look about. Don't look. About, think about that room that I built. Don't worry about that <laughs> yeah. fire vision that you just had with me. Um, don't worry about any of that. Don't worry about that whole town we fucked over and all those people we murdered. It's it's cool. Just keep going. Uh, just keep looking ahead, son. Uh, so, you know, Edward's kind of losing it and is like, okay, obvious, like. Something's, something has to do with this. Like, there's something fucked up. Um, and all the while, you know, while even though these bad things are happening, Mary and Jeremy still want to get married. So Mary talks to her dad, just like, look, I want to marry Jeremy. Um, but they're like, doesn't he, isn't he like a peasant? Like, we're, you're not marrying a peasant. But then, I don't know, she protests and eventually they're like, okay, fine. And she, uh, excuse me, she tells Jeremy, like, oh, it's, you know, just just bring your dad to dinner and we're going to have a dinner and it's going to be great and uh you know every, everything's cool um and so you know the day arrives and Mary's super he reveals psyched. he reveals that he's a good at yeah, that Jer- point yeah Jeremy's like hey uh so let's let's go behind the shed let's yeah. think, let's let's have a sit behind the shed and he's like all right Mary i i love you but I did have to kind of lie to you, and I'm real sorry. But I still love you. And he's like, well, I'm actually a good, but I couldn't tell you that because your family hates the goods, and I, I didn't want that to, you know, cloud their judgment. And she was like, totally cool, man. I understand. I still love you. It's fine. I forget if he tells her anything else. Um, Just bring your dad over to dinner, and then we'll all settle this once and for all. Yeah, I yeah. think she, he actually does reveal like the whole thing, that what happened, and that his yeah, dad, yep. William Good, is like very upset with them, and that they would want to murder each other if they saw each yeah, other. Yeah, that's so, but right. Mary's that's like, right. oh no, just bring him to dinner. It'll be fine. That's right. Yeah, he does tell her about the the burning of Susanna Good and her mom and like how all that went down. And and yeah, and Mary and Jeremy are just like, no, nah, we're going to fix this. Like, we love each other. Like, we we can prove that like, you know, a, gen- a generation has passed. You know, we can we can right this wrong. So everything's cool. They embrace. The plan is set. Um, and then the day comes of the dinner, and Mary is super psyched. You know, she's in her best dress, and she's real, real excited. Jeremy walks in, and his face explodes. <laughs> yeah, well, this is because uh, Mary had confronted her uncle Matthew about what Jeremy had told her, and for, like for like one paragraph, he's like, "No, that didn't happen." Then he's immediately like, ah, "Actually, yeah, we did totally burn people alive <laughs> yeah. and steal food for people." Uh, yeah, uh, yeah that totally happened. And so when Jeremy walks in, he's like, Dominatio per malum at him, and his head explodes. Yeah, Jeremy's head, actually, his, it's actually a pretty cool scene because Jeremy's head, like, melts like a can Like, you know those cool candles that have, like, prizes inside of them? That's kind of what happens to Jeremy's head. It, like, melts away until the real person underneath appears. And can we guess who that is? It, it's William. Yeah, it's William. Duh. Just, just in a beautiful man disguise to seduce the, the right. youngling of the family. And like, and like, bro, bro, why didn't you just ride that train to its destination? Like, you could have had a good life. You could have married into the Fear family. You could have had this young, beautiful wife who clearly doesn't know anything about the world. Probably would have been great. But no. Nope. 
You just well, had to... he, I mean, he really wanted to get that revenge. I'm sure, like, some, like, a marriage into that family wasn't anything he actually wanted to do because he hated all of them. Yeah, I guess, but he, I'm just saying. I, He'd I been like... wandering for, like, ten years or something looking for them. Like, the, the, yeah. when they, we open up on this, he's, like, wandering through the brush and he just <laughs> happens upon their house. He's like, ah, oh, I found them finally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did spend, he did spend, like, 18 years looking for them, so... <laughs> If only I had my trusty pan, it could have been so much easier, (laughs) but that bastard took it. But no, it's like, if he's such a powerful fucking sorcerer, again, like, why did any of this even need to happen? And also, like, if he's such a powerful sorcerer, why why couldn't he just employ witch GPS? Like, doesn't he have a raven? He could be like, yo, find those fears. The raven would be like, there they are. Like, he didn't need to literally walk the earth on his feet. (laughs) Also, like, the whole seduction plan, I don't get, because, like, what's the end game there other than getting your head melted by... Because he basically, he kills the rest of the... No, he doesn't kill them. Because Matthew and Constance are left to wall themselves in. Yeah, Matthew and Constance wall themselves in and eventually die, like, walled into a room in that house. Edward and Mary and Ezra survive and run away. Mary, however, is forever crazy after this. She... All she can say, like, after this happens is, where's Jeremy? Is Jeremy coming? Is Jeremy coming? Where's Jeremy? Like, that's just her for the rest of her life. She's so scarred that that's it. That's all she can do is wonder about him and think about him, which is really fucking depressing. Um, So Mary is just a broken toy. Um, Edward and Ezra are fine. Uh, I don't know. I forget. They they just leave. I forget what happens after that. but yeah, I don't like if William is so such a powerful sorcerer that he can convincingly do all this stuff. Like, I wonder if maybe he's just um, oh, my phone is ringing. Uh, I'm going to silence that. Sorry about that. Oops, um, for terrible book club intermission. Here. <laughs> yeah, terrible book club intermission where Paris silences her phone. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just overestimating his powers as, you know, a, a minion of Satan. Uh, but it seems like there's not a really good deal to this being a minion of Satan thing, aside from like a beautiful man disguise. Yeah, which like, like I said, ride that train, man. Like, if that's what you got, like, do that. Because at this point, he's got to be probably pushing fifty, fifties at this point, maybe sixty. Because I'm sure you know he had what a teenage daughter, so he youngest he could have been was like his thirties when it started and this is 18 years later so 48 is probably uh, yeah. the youngest he would really be and but even that's like being generous i don't so. know i think being on an 18 year revenge quest makes you see beyond like a steady supply of puritan puss or something like yeah that's probably very true maybe that's what his alliance with uh satan has granted him uh cl- they don't i mean puritan girls probably don't even do that much of anything so Clary. like is it really worth it yeah yeah, so that's that. Um, and then I think that's it, right? That was like the end. Yeah, well, no, Ezra, there's a scene with the older Ezra coming back to the like the old farmhouse and he discovers... Oh, yeah, he finds uh, the, Constance and Matthew Walden, right? Yeah, Matthew and Constance, like their skeletons, like walled into the into the like the side of the house or something and he like also vows revenge just thus continuing the cycle of fear and goods like hating each other forever yeah no one's ever smart enough to just like stop it no one and also no no one's ever smart enough to like not fuck someone else from that family i I guess like they keep 
falling in love with each other a little bit, and then it probably falls up, according to the Nora at the start, at least. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. So, yep, it's real dumb. Uh, that's it. Yeah. So, that's how Fear Street came to be known as Fear Street. And uh, I'm sure we were all uh, on the edge of our seat about it. I'm sure you all really wanted to know the more serious uh, series next to Goosebumps. Not that kitty shit, but this is the one with head poppins and Satan stuff, as opposed to uh, just ghosts and masks that stay on your face forever. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I... Which I is cooler. Just, uh... By the way, that's cooler, a mask that stays on your face forever. That's much scarier and more interesting than, oh no, Puritans and witches. The Crucible Light, oh my god, I'm so oh, scared. Oh, fuck you, man. I, I think a dude's head melting like a candle with a fun prize inside of another man is, is pretty cool. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't think... Sure, I, I don't but the one about a ball of, like, goo that keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and enveloping a whole town is much more interesting to me as a child, I would say. Like I said, I just really like history shit. Anything that wasn't happening now, I was, like, all about, so... Uh, and, you know, it took place in Massachusetts, and eh, my parents had taken me to, like, Salem stuff when I was real little, so I think I was just really into that uh, whole, like, colonial witch historical New England horror stuff. Um, so yeah, that was that. Uh, it was fun to read uh, a book I read as a kid cause I didn't really remember it. Um, uh, but yeah, and it, it goes on like this for many books. Uh, he did, there were like three initial Fear Street Saga books and then I think he kept going, uh, with that. And then there were just the regular Fear Street books, which were, you know, just like evil cheerleaders and whatever um they don't seem that hard to pump out so you know yeah he sure does he sure does pump those out there, there's a there's this, been this nagging question of like whether he used ghostwriters or not and depending on what uh you know what source you look at it some of them are like oh rl never used ghostwriters and some of them are like obviously he did he was putting out a book every three weeks you know <laughs> like yeah. um but then again they don't take much to write <clears throat> excuse me so yeah so um I guess, like, uh, like I said, the writing was really like bland, uh, but I think, I think that's just—it's just, so know, kids, kids can writing. hear the the obvious foreshadowing of Dominat yeah. like Oh, also there's the, a, there's a hilarious typo uh, at the end. So I don't know if any of you have uh, read these books, but they always try to like get you to read to read more of the books either at the beginning or the end. And there was this part that was like. Oh man, the 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 Fair Street books, yeah, like read them. Uh, and it, it has a uh, oh, real effective advertising. Yeah, where is it? Uh, there's like, oh sorry, it's before. Is it before the title? Anyway, it just keeps referring to Fair Street as Pear Street, and I just couldn't stop laughing about how like Ooh, there was also the evils a- of Pear Street, and <laughs> it just no, kept stay going on. There. So the all the ladies. Edition- all, all the ladies around there, real bottom heavy, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yes. Yeah, so the Kindle edition. I'd, I'd hang out on that street really if that was funny. the case. Oh, oh, but oh, there, similarly, similarly, there was a bunch of times where Benjamin Pier was referred to as Benjamin Pier. Did you not notice that? Oh, no, I didn't. There was definitely a couple of times where it was Benjamin Pier or Matthew Pier instead oh, of Fear, which was hilarious. Yeah, I also like pear. I think I like pear better. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, there weren't there weren't that many typos. Like it was it was an all right story. I mean, it's you know nothing super new, but yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not, not supposed to be new because it's just tropes for kids that haven't experienced the tropes before. Yeah, but uh, 
a lot better than many other books we've read on the show. <laughs> I will say. Sure. Why? You know, it's coherent and it has a structure. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't completely hate it, even though there were a ton of things that made no sense. But like, whatever. You know, fun nostalgia read. We did it. Yeah. Yeah, and that, you know, we did a short one last time, and this is probably going to be another short one that gets released pretty quickly after that other one. But the next thing we're doing is seems meatier, seems bigger. Yeah, yeah. The next thing uh, is going to be, a, I think, a truly terrible book. I think we're going to return to our roots on the next episode. There's no way it can't be good. It can it can be good. I, I, I don't know. Say. Do we want to, do we want to give anyone a clue? Uh, it's an autobiography. Well, it's not. It's a biography that's not a real biography. It's an unauthorized biography of a famous person. Yeah. Um, As opposed to those biographies about unfamous people that no one knows. Yeah. I mean, those people write their life stories or whatever. Like, you can do that if you're not famous. It's not like... I get, yeah, no, but have... like, no one's going to like, oh, here's the biography of Bob Jameson. He lived down yeah. the street over here and he was a garbage man his whole life. Picking up garbage for 40 years tells you a whole lot. I'm Bob Jameson, garbage guy. Not a garbage person as in a trash person that deserves no respect, but all garbage men deserve respect. Let me tell you. Chris, (laughs) is it garbage day? (laughs) Yeah, it is. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, I've been on the internet too long. Uh, Hopefully some of you understand that reference. If not, Mm -hmm. watch Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 and understand. I think this is where we thank people for listening. Yeah, and point uh, so, them towards. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, thanks to our patron, Dari, singular patron, uh, and we have a Patreon where you can throw us one one dollar to eight dollars a month. Choose your tier and get lovely rewards such as thank yous on the show and access to premium content like Chris and I watching the entire Maradonia movie and commenting over it. That alone is worth four dollars. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, There's also a Facebook. There's also an Instagram. There's also a Twitter. Yeah, uh, check out the Instagram. I've been trying to put stuff on there every day, but uh, uh, updating social media and shit is just fucking exhausting, to be honest with you. But uh, I do try to post uh, at least something every day. When we release a new episode, I post something and I add it to the the story feature, which I have finally figured out in my my old age. yeah, so check us out. We like hearing from you guys, so feel free to, you know, leave comments on stuff for us, send us messages, uh, you know, email email us hate mail. We get we get those sometimes. Paris, are you really an older woman who is a, on a revenge quest that if I, like, say Dominati or Permalina, you will your head melt and, like, a much older woman will pop out? Is that I what you mean you by How did you getting know? up there in age? Oh, How did oh you no. Know? Oh, no. I figured it out. How did you know? Ah, Fear Street. <laughs> all right oh boy uh i need to go to bed (laughs) all right bye paris all right bye chris